0: Uh, Welcome this morning. In the pre-service prayer, I was sharing how the chief commodity that God is bringing into the church is love from a pure heart. And there's so many words we can use to define love, and I don't want to belabor this point, but it begins with having an open heart towards one another. And when you have fear, when you have self-preservation, and when you have wounds in your life that dictate they need protection you cannot help but have walls barriers and an aversion to any kind of intimacy and so god is bringing a kind of love that allows all of our defenses to fall down with that, there's an element of faith because you're, you're going to get slapped in the face and you're going to get wounded and you're going to get hurt by people you allow into that. But faith says God heals and God restores. So I can risk being hurt by you because I know the restorative power of God. I know that God can restore me and I live in a constant state of his healing love, and so I can risk loving you, and I'm not going to protect myself with walls or suspicion or keep you at a distance in the in the hopes that that will keep me safe. So, Father, I pray that our ability to let one another in would increase. Father, that we would lay down all of our fears, all of our judgments, all of our God, we want to draw near to you, but you said the evidence that we love you is that we love one another. So, Lord, we want to love you, but I pray, God, that we will, in loving you, discover what it means to love one another. And so as we draw near to you today, Lord, we say, come and change us. Come and liberate us from the fear. Come and liberate us from the self-preservation come and liberate us from the wounds and the bondages of our own heart, to be able to love others, love each other, love the world around us, love the unsaved. Father, in Jesus' name, we draw near to you today, Lord. Psalm 24 has a theme of uh, ascension that we talk about a lot here because the Scripture's promise to us is if we draw near to the Lord, He will draw near to us. And there's a certain effort required in drawing near to the Lord because you have to pull away from yourself. That that, that orbit around you and around your fears, around your needs, around your priorities is what we're pulling away from. But the promise says, who will ascend into the hill of the Lord or who may stand in his holy place. He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully. And later on, I love to read the whole thing, but later on it says, he shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. And this, this is what he says after this. This is what I want to go to because there is a generation that's rising in the earth who know how to seek him. It says, this is Jacob, the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face. As I was reflecting on these and the whole theme this morning of seeking the Lord, I was conscious of the fact that we often have visitors and guests who are maybe aren't accustomed to this kind of seeking the Lord. and. We've decided that Sunday mornings is not an assembly for the unsaved, but it's an assembly for the saved. It's a time for those who seek the Lord to come together and seek Him together. And evangelism is something we're going to do in our lives in other contexts as we leave this place. But this is a gathering of the believing community to learn to reveal our hearts before Him and before one another and to seek Him with all our strength to love him with all of our soul, all of our heart, all of our mind. And as, as I was reflecting and seeking him, Jackie came and shared this with me.
1: Last night I was watching the Bible series, and there's a scene in the, in the show where Abraham was taking his son Isaac up to a higher place, uh, the place where he would sacrifice Isaac. But we know the story that panned out there. But they were rock climbing. They were going up cliffs. And I remember saying to myself out loud, you know, when I was a child, I loved cliff climbing. I loved rock climbing. And I I don't have that stamina or the strength of my legs uh, at this time right now to do that. But in the Spirit, I do. By the enabling power of the Holy Spirit to endeavor in my heart to have that conviction in my heart that I will do some rock climbing if that's what it takes this morning to do some cliff climbing to find you this morning. I thank you Lord that you give us hinds feet to make that climb Lord. Whatever it takes to find you out. Lord is the glory of God to hide a thing. It is the glory of man to search it out. So we just thank you Lord that we will just not lay back and have somebody else carry us in. That we will not be lax the days ago and lie back and complacent and lazy in our spirit. But that something rise up within us this morning that conviction that says I will make the climb I will climb rocks Lord I will climb straight up if that's what it takes I thank you for the enabling power of the spirit of God to search you out this morning Lord
0: one of the things Jackie said which she didn't pray just now but was that I have decided to make a determined effort to not wait for others to carry me in but to go in myself, to ascend to the presence of the Lord myself. And uh, we want to make that determined effort this morning, that we're not waiting for the band to take us somewhere. We're not waiting for them to do something to trigger us emotionally or in some way. But we ourselves are determined, God, we need your presence today. We need the warmth. We need the life. We need the knowledge that comes with who you are. We want to see you. We want to know you more. We want to draw nearer to you today. Yoshi just brought me a word, and I believe it's true that he said he began to see in the Spirit like scrolls just floating around the room, scrolls, and on those scrolls are written promises. On those scrolls is the knowledge of God that will bring a breakthrough to your heart. And it's like Not only scrolls, but crystals and other heavenly things just floating around the room, waiting to be grasped, waiting to be grabbed, waiting to be experienced. It's provision for your life. It is provision for your breakthrough. Grab it. We declare knowledge, revelation, breakthrough. Someone here today is experiencing a kind of a lightness in your spirit. And I want to say there's more than a lightness available. That there is a realm where gravity, that pulling down to earthly matters, to earthly thoughts, to earthly fears and concerns, no longer has any pull upon you. And the Lord is saying there's a place where, where the earthly draw is no longer a factor in your life. Be lifted up. Enter that weightless realm. That carefree realm where all of your concerns and all of your burdens are upon him. Perfect peace. Perfect peace. Just keep... Pressing into that peace. Just let the waves of peace flow over you in this moment. That peace is not only an experience, but it is a weapon. It is a weapon to be imposed on those default places that sometimes your mind and your heart and your emotions go to. Will you take that peace? And with that peace, you say no. You say no to those thoughts. You say no to those carnal desires. You say no to fear. You say no to worry. You say no to the tyranny of the future, which is not yet even upon you. You say, no, I'm not even going to imagine future fears because sufficient for the day are the worries thereof. And right now I am fine. I'm going to live in the present. I'm going to live in the moment. And I'm going to believe that the peace and the satisfaction and the joy and the tranquility that is available to me right now will be available to me every second of my life. It is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. You know the story of that song, It is Well of My Soul. The writer of the song had lost his whole family who had drowned in in the sinking of a boat and he was traversing the sea and at the very point where it apparently had happened, He began to sing, or those words flooded his being, It is well with my soul. And the point is this, is that no matter what may be transpiring in your life, there is an ability in God to grab a peace that passes understanding. A peace does not equate with the circumstances or the trials of the moment and it is in effect what faith does it reaches into heaven and brings into the pres- to present the peace of eternity it brings into the present into the disorder of the soul of man into the disorder of the history of man it brings the rule of god that can say it is well with my soul Because I'm not living in the light of the present. I'm living in the light of eternity. Let your spirit grab a hold of eternity. Let your spirit grab a hold of the magnitude of God's supply. There's a many-sided dynamic to what God is trying to bring us in. And yes, it is for our personal edification. But beyond that, when God has you experience the peace of God, His intention is to make you one who can draw that peace into the moment in which you live. Kingdom people are people who have experienced aspects of the knowledge of God, of parts of who God is, and just they just don't know that that exists and that one day they're going to be in front of that in full, in full view. But they have an ability to draw upon that reality and to bring it into their, their daily life. That's what real counseling is about. When somebody comes to you with fear, you're not just proving the, the fact that their fear is illogical. You're, you're actually trying to pull the essence of an atmosphere that is in heaven of tranquility because of the knowledge of the supremacy of God. This, too, will be okay. This, too, will pass. This will not affect the things that really matter in your life. So you can be at peace. We don't have to deny the existence of the trial. But what we're doing is pulling into the earth something. And in the midst of economic fear and uncertainty, a people who know that God creates out of nothing are stable. Are stable. You know what our province needs right now? Is a people who know that we serve a God who can simply open his hand and provide an economy that's ten times the best that Alberta has ever seen. And there's a tranquility that we just know that the creative solutions in the mind of God can fix whatever challenges are right there. It doesn't mean we have to go on as usual, but it means we don't go to that place of fear. It means we just simply turn our hearts and say, okay, God, what is the strategy to bring us to that next mountaintop? And we don't have to worry about this little valley in between because you are taking us from glory to glory. And we are a people who don't deny the present, But know the future in God, that the future is bright, that God is going to use this circumstance, but through the faith of those who know. Come on. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, we pray that the people of God in the province of Alberta will begin to release an atmosphere of peace, of optimism, of faith, not of ignorance and denial, but one that says, Lord, in Jesus' name, unveil the solutions on the other side of trial. Cause us to see that weeping endures for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Breathe upon this land with hope. Breathe upon this land with hope. Let the winds of hope This is part of why the church needs to be a house of prayer because the house of prayer is the gateway to heaven. It is is the gate of heaven. That's why when Jacob saw angels ascending and descending, he said, this is none other than the house of God. This is the gate. This is the door. And this is where All things that are in heaven can come through. If any, this gate comes through. The church, the house of God, is the supply depot for hope, for love, for faith, for strength, for resiliency, for creativity. Yesterday I was at somebody's house and I could feel the atmosphere of hopelessness in the house. And it's not somebody from the church, so you don't have to think about who that might be. It just happens through circumstances I was there. And, and, the, and the husband and the wife had both lost their jobs in the last month. And uh, they're not Christian, and I wasn't there as a pastor in any capacity. And I didn't have a word for them per se, but I, but I got a glimpse into what people without God are facing right now. The hopelessness of it and I'm telling you we need to be a voice of hope we need to carry an atmosphere of life that uh, that can provide strength to the ones that are discouraged and you can't have that unless you live there unless you know how to go there you know, the people with groceries, you know, presume, presuming that there are houses or that there are stores with groceries, the people with groceries are the ones who can go get it. In the old days, the people who had food in their, their their house were the ones who could go hunt or the ones who could, you know, plant a garden. If you know how to get food, then you can go get food. If you know how to get hope, you can go get it. That's what God is training us in. Peace is a commodity like grain. But it's a heavenly commodity that you get and you bring with you. And you pour out in supply through your words, your attitudes, your thoughts. That's what it means to be kingdom in the midst of the world. And not just peace, but peace is pertinent this time. But everything else that is a part of the nature of God. It's not behavior. It's a commodity that exists in God that God's trying to grow up inside of you by you continuously grabbing onto it. By going there. And it waters your soul. But it impacts your mind and your emotions. And empowers your spirit. Can you say amen? So let's be a voice of hope and strength. Around. Our, our family. Around our our employment places. But more than that. Let's learn how to go there so that we can be a pocket of life wherever we are. Then suddenly people start thinking, that that Christian, you know, I used to thought they were kind of nerdy, but they're kind of a breath of fresh air. When I get around them, my fears diminish. It might be subtle at first, but when you walk in sufficient amount of peace that people just stop fearing around you who are chronically fearful, eventually they're going to start to make the connection. That's atmosphere. Hallelujah. That's what Jesus did. Whenever he spoke, he changed the atmosphere. He brought people into his way of thinking, and they were realized, oh, man, that's better. Can you say amen? So, Father, thank you that you've given us access to heavenly things. And we, we want to pray. And really, this is a summary of everything we've done this morning. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven may our individual lives be the portals the conduits through which the atmosphere of heaven comes to our world your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven we contend we contend
2: lord would you open up these realms to us you know i've i've become extremely dissatisfied with my response to the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to say that this is the time that a new wave is forming. I felt so many waves go underneath me and not catch them. And I've become uh, extremely discouraged with everyone that I try to paddle into and I just can't catch. And I can feel that rising and I can feel many hearts feeling that same way that Oh, I've missed another one. But I'm saying God is going to make this very evident in this time. There's going to be a big light that says, go now. And really, what must take place is our eyes to be opened. And so I'm going to ask right now that the Holy Spirit would open our eyes in a way that they've not been opened before. And if you would like your eyes opened, I want you to join with me as we pray. Holy Spirit, we desire to see where you're leading us. We desire to get on the wave with you. We desire to hear and see the sign. And now I speak over my own life and my own heart. And I say, open my eyes that I might see Open our eyes that we may see. Open our hearts that we might receive. We are not satisfied with letting these pass by any longer. We desire to see your kingdom come on the earth. What if there was a chance this could happen today? What if there was a chance that this could be something that we would actually catch? What if we could actually take authority in the earth what if today would be the change and the question i ask myself is what would it take what would it take in me to let go of what would it take in me to release so that i could pick up something new god we i don't want to miss this and i'm telling you what's coming to the earth what's going to be released on the earth is going to be a result of a body that is unified it's going to be the result of a people that come together and, and can fight from this place of peace. How that looks, I don't know. All I really know is I have to take this one step at a time and say I must let go of this thing and pick up this. And the discouragement and the depression is what we must let go of. A couple of weeks ago I, st- I started just saying there is hope. There is hope. Why should it be deferred any longer? Who is willing? Who is willing among you? Lord says, Who is willing among you to pick up this peace? Who is willing among you to pick up the resurrection that I have created around you? Because there is a resurrection that has taken place. There has been a conquering that has taken, taken place. There is a victory and a triumph that can be ours. We say no to discouragement. We say no to depression. We say no to the darkness. And we hold out our hand this far and no further. Release your cry. Hold out your hand and say no more. No more. The hand of truth in this day. We hold up the hand of truth. We say no more. We speak into our society. You see what's happened is we've allowed things to enter in the position that the world is in today is a result of the church. Because you say, well, it's just because we haven't done things. No, it's because we've allowed things in. Today is the day that we say no more. God, let the peace that passes all understanding reside in our hearts. Let your truth define let it define the body of Christ there shall be a definite definition of what the body of Christ is there shall not be gray and blurred lines any longer the absolute truth is coming God release
0: You know, the Holy Spirit is preparing us to be a part of a tremendous harvest. But we underestimated the preparation time. And so there's this deep calls to deep happening where God is aligning our hearts, not just showing us that all this stuff in the world is bad, but showing us that actually that exists in the world because it exists in the church. The church is the light. The world is already dark. All that exists in the world is darkness. The church is the light. So. The existence of darkness is not because of the power of darkness. The existence of darkness is only because of the absence of light. David Demian shared a word years ago about Sodom and Gomorrah. And he said, why did God judge Sodom and Gomorrah? Was it because their sin was so great or because he could not find ten righteous? Both are true. Both are true. The world is dark. But it's the amount of light missing in the church that causes darkness to continue. The lack of righteousness, the lack of intercessors, the lack of people who could stand in the gap was why Sodom and Gomorrah had to be destroyed. We got to stop thinking of the world out there as the world out there, but that we are in the world, not of the world but we determine which way the world goes more than the world determines which way the world goes and so the church that's obedient the church that's grabbing a hold of what god is opening up from heaven is the is the church that changes the world and what we have to come to grips with is not what the world is doing but how much of what the world is doing is rooted in seed form in my heart and so god is dealing continuously with my heart and we need to get safe enough with god that god can deal with our hearts without us running to condemnation and self-loathing and all of that now jackie i wasn't going to go this way but i wanted to do something a couple of weeks ago jackie came and shared something with me a dream she had jackie i want you to come and share this just don't go very far Sit down if you have to. Uh,
1: just before I woke up this morning, uh, I, I was representing somebody who had just died, somebody who didn't know the Lord, and, and I was taken up into a holding room, and I thought I, thought I was going to go by the way of the angels that c- conducted me but to the way of heaven, but they, somebody standing behind a desk, and they said, no, you go there. And I saw a huge mouth, and I could hear the screams of hell coming from this mouth. And then the person said, I go there. They were unaware. They were unaware of their condition. They were unaware because they thought they were a good person. They had done good things that gained them heaven. They were unaware of the knowledge of the truth. And I felt the fear of that person. The I don't want to go there. I don't want to go there. And I just feel like we need to catch something from the Lord that we can bring to the dying and the lost and the deceived. Those that are in bondage, they're unaware. They know not. They know not the things of God. Who is going to bring it to them? We carry the words of truth. We carry these words. We carry the cause of Christ. For the cause of Christ we come we need to catch these things from the Lord so that we can bring them to a dying world. It's not to gather up for ourselves, but for the release of his kingdom, for, for, the, deliverance, for the deliverance of people that are in bondage.
0: I want to play a little video here. It's, it's uh, about seven minutes long, and I'll explain after why, why while we're playing it, but I want you to watch this. This is a comedian, a Las Vegas comedian. You may know the, the, grou- the group. It's a pair, Penn and Teller. How many of you heard of them? They're w- well known. Isn't that amazing? But I want to... The idea is this. How much... And this is what struck me. How much do you have to hate somebody to know or to believe that eternal life is available and not tell them? I, it, it struck me as really serious, because I thought, here, here's, the, here's the thing. Either we don't care, or we don't believe people are going to hell. So when Jackie had that dream, I've been waiting for a couple of weeks to, to say something about this and to show this, because I think we are coming to a time of, of rabid evangelism and effective evangelism. And it may happen in the context of hardships in people's life. That's usually when non-believers are more vulnerable, is when their pocketbook has been hit, when they're, you know, they're, they're no different than us in that respect. But it struck me that there is a missing component in our compassion. Um and when Jackie shared the dream, I thought I thought maybe we couldn't imagine the potential disappointment of being in a room thinking we're going to heaven and suddenly realize we are going to hell anybody identify with that at all i mean we identify with a lot of disappointment and many of us are very you know given to make sure that people don't experience the way of disappointment you know some of you some of you you watch that uh, the show, The Voice, or American Idol, when people get eliminated, you know, you oh, right? Do you you get emotionally ever involved or disappointed at other people's disappointment? But it's still, that's kind of superficial comparatively, right? Okay, you didn't get to become rich and famous. I share your disappointment. But do we? is there a missing component in our knowledge, in our heart, where we can flippantly watch the world go by, be friends with people at work, see them, like them, you know, help them if they had a flat tire, but never tell them about heaven or eternal life? What is that? And I'm not saying this to say, hey, you need to witness. I'm saying this to say, if that compulsion is not there in your heart, to say to God, okay, why is this missing? We don't want to go to work, so I'll make sure I'll hand out 100 tracts this week. I don't want you to do that. I want you to have a change of heart. I want to have, and this is because Christianity is ultimately about the change of heart. When you begin to think and feel like God feels, then the behavior that's consistent with that is easy. When the behavior is not there, it's not, a, you know, you, yeah, you could do things to motivate yourself, but it's all artificial if it's not actually a part of your heart. And that's what transformation is really about. That's why you know, we're we're really about here discovering what, what the actual condition is of our heart. Not so we can feel bad, but so we can come to God and say, God, change my heart. That's why we sang that song years ago. Change my heart, oh God, make it ever new. Change my heart, oh God, may I be like you. Change my heart, oh God. And so... I think most of us could I could feel that. I know for me, and Wendy jokes about this, but you know, I often we'll be in a plane and I've talked to some people, but I regularly don't start to evangelize the person next to me. And largely I, I, I keep thinking, Man, it's such a big job <laughs> to get you ready for heaven. So when I'm thinking I'm not thinking getting you saved, I'm thinking getting you getting you ready for heaven mature and everything. It's like, you know, I don't got time for that. I'm only on a flight with you. Uh, yeah. Evidently, the urgency is not there. Nor the faith to know that evangelism and the work, the work of God, the Holy Spirit in a person's life is, is part of a continuum that a hundred or a thousand people feed into. Not just one singular momentary act. Well, I want to be the guy that leads them to the Lord. Well, there's an there's a label for that. But, you know, even this guy, I started praying for, for him. So I thought, I thought here's, a, here's a kingdom impact. This guy came to him and obviously made an impression. You know, looked him in the eye. That meant, you know, he was, he was, he was not afraid. He was not intimidated. He actually genuinely cared. Uh, and that spoke to him enough that he made this YouTube video. So, how much impact could you have on people? Again, it starts with, do you actually care? And again, don't be afraid of that question. In fact, ask yourself that question. We need to ask ourselves that question. Do we care? You know, one of the reasons why often people get mad at me is they think I don't care. But actually... Most of what I do is because I do care. If you read the article I just posted on the, the misunderstood Elijah, you know a lot of people thought Elijah didn't care about people. No, he cared about people. The manifestation of it wasn't, you know, the typical caring. It was, he, he lived in such a way that he believed that proximity to God was the best thing for your life. So what he did was an example of living in proximity to God so that people could see that they had an opportunity to live closer to God. He wasn't oriented around all the, you know, the little typical day-to-day needs of the average person, but he knew in his heart, God focus is what you need. And so he exemplified that for his life. So, you know, I, I, I'm often willing to tell people the hard things, because I see others don't. Sometimes, you know, people don't want to hear something, and I tell them, and I probably shouldn't because, you know, don't cast your pearl before swine. But, you know, it's like I was with somebody the other day, and I was watching something they were doing, and I thought, man, if they just did this one thing, if they just shifted this one thing, it would cause this such a better increase. Why would they not, you know, uh, why would they not want to hear that? But people don't. It's true. When I go golfing with Murray, he's uh, he's always telling me how to golf, and I don't feel that's a condemnation. I don't feel that's a criticism of my golf game. I already know my golf game needs help, and so I I like it. I don't I don't mind the help. Gord Mitchell's another one who's hey if you don't mind me and he's very you know like you know gotta be careful protect Mark's ego. You don't need to protect my ego. Like just tell me what am I doing wrong. I, I want to get better at this. I I know there are deficiencies. I just don't know what they are. That's why I keep doing them. It's not a question of of self-esteem. It's a question of lack of knowledge. And so uh, there are all these areas. This is one of them, the evangelism thing, where do we care? We start asking ourselves, do we care? See, what God is doing in our hearts is He's he's trying to, go in there and show us, you know, we're, sometimes we're so trying to do the right thing and be the right kind of Christian to display the right kind of behavior, and we're hoping that we're convincing enough, but I'm telling you, people see our deficiencies, and people are there to help us. People are there to help me, and I get help. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray you give us a new, fresh appetite and security, Lord, to go for help, to, to be completely wide open. I was with, uh, actually, it was during the uh, Munich gathering, I was with one of, the, one of the key Chinese leaders, he's a very influential guy in China, and I was with him, and uh, I just felt, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share some things. Uh, what I see in him because I saw something he was doing that I used to do all the time and uh, and so I shared it with him and he was like you know really kind of shocked and, and he says and it was funny because his reaction was I, I have to go do things but I kind of don't want to leave you is there because he felt the love in it but he said he said how did you see that I said, well, it's 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 obvious. And then, you know, so we he just stood there hugging each other. And after a little while, he turns to me and he says, you know, I guess we're really bad actors, all of us. I don't want to star in a B movie. I want to be authentic and genuine. And so I want that truth to penetrate my being. So yesterday, I was driving. And as I was driving, I... Uh, Suddenly, the Lord spoke to me a scripture. This is a scripture, you all know it's Mark chapter 12, if you have a Bible and want to look at it. You know, anybody like to read the Bible and stuff? It's good to read because it's, everything that Jesus thought and did is there. So, you know, before you start saying, Jesus is like this, you might want to see what he said. I know I, I say that. But it's, it's a problem. We, we have a very illiterate, biblically illiterate generation coming up. And, um, you know, disciplines are not, are not easy. They're hard. And sometimes getting into the scripture is just discipline. Anyway, Mark 12. It's a very well-known passage. The widow's mite. Anybody ever heard of it? Okay. Verse 41. Now Jesus sat at opposite the treasury and saw how the people put money into the treasury, and many who were rich put in much. Then one poor widow came and threw in two mites, which makes quadrants. Now, that means nothing to me. Suffice to say it was not very much, hardly at all one sixty fourth of a day's wage I, I it was back there, I knew it I, <laughs> The Holy Spirit just reminded me of that. <laughs> Thank you, Holy Spirit. <laughs> Not a lot. So he called his disciples to himself and said to them, Assuredly I say to you that this poor widow has put in uh, more than all those who have given into the treasury. First thing I felt as soon as I, I, I mean the whole story came back to me and, I, and that hit me and I thought, I thought wow we don't really believe that like the 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 depth of it the significance the the level to which Jesus you know we we sort of look at these stories and yeah that's that's nice yeah yeah oh yeah yeah she gave out of her lack and yeah it was more than all more no it was more than all it was the most powerful gift of the day the, 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 this is the issue here is that is that God is trying to get us so that we intuitively respond to situations like he would intuitively respond to situations. And I know that we don't think this way. Because we do a lot of fanfare around bigger... Ooh, $10,000! Come on. I I love the $10,000 gifts, you know, when the Lord is... You know, brought people of of real supply, and it's great because we need the money, right? But there's a value system in God that we give lip service to, but we don't really have. And again, what do you want? Well, what do we do about that? Just be honest. It's like the evangelism thing. Just when you start seeing that discord between your heart and his heart, what you need to do is just begin to long for his heart. That's what God wants of you right now. I'm not saying, you know, change the way you think. What's the matter with you? Why are you so stupid? It's like Len Hassman. I love that line every day. He said, You stupid kids. He said that when Matthew took a chainsaw to his foot after he had bought him all, like a thousand dollars worth of safety equipment. You stupid kids. I'm not saying that to say, You stupid Christians. I say that to say, look at we're looking in the mirror at, at the glory of Jesus. And what we first should see is our own image. And when you see your image and his image, the first thing you should notice is the two are not the same. And that's where conviction comes. Condemnation makes you not want to ever look in that mirror again. Conviction is, oh God, change me. It draws closer to the Lord, not away from the Lord. And, and so I'm not saying this to condemn or put anybody down. It's the reality. Our minds and hearts do not operate like his mind and heart. Jesus was so excited about what the widow was doing. She went and go, hey, guys, hey, guys, guys, you got to see this. Now, it had already happened because it said he saw it happening, and then he pulled them together, and he told them about it. That one there, that one there, walking away, right there, right. She gave more than all the others. I mean, he was obviously enthusiastic about it because he pulled them in. Now, it's one thing to say, okay, all right, we, okay, God, change my heart. I want to have a different attitude. I want to be able to have your values with, with kingdom things. But then the question is, what will that affect? What, how would you know if your attitudes were actually starting to change? And, you know, there's so many ways we can look at this, but I, I wanna, I want to, as we look at this, I want to, sort of draw an analogy of what we sometimes do in our world that Jesus didn't do in his world. First of all was Jesus' response. He was so like, wow, what a great gift. That's amazing. You know, somebody gives five bucks, right? And, uh, oh, that's great. Yeah, thanks. And it's not that they need gratitude. It's the, my internal, this is what I'm thinking for me, is my internal recognition of how this represents a heart for the kingdom and God and sacrifice and how wonderful that is. How that is not my intuitive response all the time, but it was Jesus. Now, the other thing that I noticed was all the things that Jesus did not do. Now, bear with me. We're going to touch all the liberals at heart. All of the socialist mindsets. Because there's something in a socialist mindset that is antichrist that we need to deal with in our heart. And it has to do with this. When you have this religious system that Jesus could have arguably said, said What a waste! He's given into that temple system, but it's all going away anyway. It's like what a, what, a, what a terrible, awful thing that this woman would be filled with such guilt that she would have to come and give out of her poverty the last two mites she has. how terrible, how awful this is terrible. He didn't do that. A lot of us, when somebody would share, no, 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 you you don't want to give that. It's your last bit. You know, you've got a mother who's on welfare, who's got three kids, whose husband left her, who works diligently, and she's with, she hardly has anything. And they say, you know, they, they come to you and they say, oh, I want to, you know, I, I've been saving up for a new car, but I felt God said uh, to take that $1,000 and to sew it into uh, the offering this Sunday for this. And, and the people who are already disgruntled with the church, no, you don't want to do that. Let me find a better place for you. No, it'd be better. God would just want you to keep that money. What a, that would be a waste, because you really need it. Where would your heart go? Ah, oh, that institution of the church—what a evil bunch! They're just putting shame and guilt on everybody. That so even these people who can't afford it are giving all their money away. Have you ever anybody? Have you had any anybody ever empathized with you? Anybody ever look at, you know, an accountant? Look at, you don't make enough to give that much away. What are you doing? Church doesn't deserve that money. That system doesn't deserve that money. See, Jesus never responded that way. Why? Why? Because it didn't matter the system. What mattered was the heart in the one who was giving. The widow, the heart of the widow. Jesus knew that that gift, because of what that gift was, was going to do something for the widow that was good. That her giving in that place was putting her, uh, because of the uh, the motivation that was pure, she she was coming to a place of dependency and generosity that was going to unlock something of a blessing. It actually caused a dependency on God. That No, she wasn't going to be worse off because she gave the last of her money. She was going to be better off. What is that socialist thing that stands between the impoverished and the system that says, I'll save you. Hello? There's a soulish, carnal thing where we want to be the savior of the world. And we do it in a way that actually causes the widow's might to never be given. Ensuring the widow never changes her position. And a lot of what we see in our social structure in Canada comes out of that. But let me go back. Here's the thing. Why is it out there in Canada? Because it's here in our heart. We are the light of the world. And the reason why politically people can't see the values that cause this kind of sacrifice that should be celebrated is is because we don't really believe it, and the we're not shining the wisdom of that out there, and so the common sense of it is not even visible anymore. Can you say, O oh me, O oh my, God, change our hearts, Father, change our hearts in Jesus' name? Now, I'm, I was trying to remember a scenario. I think I've seen scenarios. I just can't. I don't have a good, great mind for details. Um, but uh, have you ever been in a position where your child wanted to be more generous than you? hmm Right? You know, you, they, they were, you're at somebody's house. They have their favorite toy. Their favorite toy. And you... Had planned, emotionally invested yourself in that gift to them, you know, because it's a pretty expensive gift. Last Christmas, and they were all, had all that joy surrounding, you know, the joy your child felt with, ah, that thing. And now they're at somebody's house and they hear their friend is sick. And they say to their mom and dad, they say, I'm going to give them my whatever. Oh, no, yeah, he! you don't want to do that. You've got a bunch of crappy toys at home you can give them. <laughs> oh, come on, what is that that is this and and the reality of our heart that poverty mindset that lack mindset that that Disconnect of of the whole giving kingdom principle that what opens up your future is sacrifice in your present. And so when it comes to our children, we want to protect them from doing that because what? Somewhere we just don't believe it works. Or else, well, really it's me paying that price and I'm not willing. I'll just have to buy another toy next week. Whatever it is, It's a hard issue. It's a hard issue. See, we look at these stories of Jesus. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. I totally identify with Jesus' sentiment. Yeah, that was a great gift. Wow. I would have, I'm on Jesus' side. I would have celebrated with him like that. Except next moment, no, don't give that away. That's too much. That's too much. You're in need. The church understands you don't need to tithe and give. You're you're needy. You're needy. They're just selfish and unaware anyway. So you know, really, keep that money. No, don't keep that money because if you keep that money, that is in your heart to give. It's and we've heard this again and again. The farmer takes the seed. The seed could be eaten. But he takes the seed and he puts it in the ground because when you put it in the ground, when you sow it, it brings forth a hundred times a a, a harvest. So, no, eat your seed. That's, you know, there's a history about the potato famine in the Ukraine. and, And, you know, when things got really bad, what they did is they ate all of their potatoes, which was seed for the next year. And what happened next year when they were supposed to be planting to get some kind of return? They had nothing to plant. See, there's this false, false sentimentality around our protection of the poor or the weak, which really betrays an unbelief in our own heart that is keeping us and the people we mean to impact for good from actually touching the things of the kingdom. When I saw, when the, I was driving and I saw that, I I just saw all the ways that Jesus intuitively responded to that scenario, and saw all the ways we would not have. And I just I just thought, God, give me a heart of faith. I I, I don't want to keep saying I'm like Jesus or I love Jesus or Jesus' words are wonderful and not believe any of them. Jesus saw. That gift, that sacrificial willingness to lay that down, not as an impediment to her future, but as a gateway to her future. There's something that has us siding with another spirit in our hearts, with our children, with maybe our view of social services and welfare and other things. You know, all we need to help. And there's a fine line between help and enabling more poverty. We want to actually bring people into the kingdom. As Canadians, we have done a worse job of this than Americans. I mean, trying to talk about money and giving in Canada is like signing your own death warrant. Seriously. And we may be entering a time when things are tighter than they used to be. I'm telling you what the answer is right now give. 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 And so my prayer right now, Father, give us that, that heart that releases the kingdom. God, we've, we've done it in sacrificial prayer and in worship we've gone and, and pressing for it in this way and that way and in our devotional life. But Father, I pray that our mindset around mammon and the love of money that is in the church would break such that we will rejoice when somebody gives sacrificially. We will rejoice when somebody gives out of their need. We will rejoice when somebody lays down their life financially for a kingdom good. And I know it's very easy. Let me just touch on this it's very easy and say, well, yeah, well, as so long as the need is right. You know, oh, it's orphans in Africa? Yeah, well, okay. But if it's just to contribute to that pastor's lavish car fund, No way gosh, he lives better than me on my money. I wonder why we're in bondage, Lord. I'm telling you, attitudes, hard attitudes. And largely, I you know, I'm in a position where I, I feel blessed these days, but I, I lived for years under the poverty line, and we never once stopped tithing. Not once. And you could talk to, you know, some of our older kids who remember, they didn't even know we were poor. You talk to Paul Collins about where we were 20 years ago. We never stopped giving, never stop. Well, you you know you're okay. You don't need to give that well. No, I need to give. I'm I'm not going to be locked into the fear and of not having enough by existing by scrimping and miserly, you know, with withholding. I'm not going to. I'm not going to make it through that way. If that's the way I make it through, I don't make it through. And I know that to be true. I lived for 16 years under the poverty level, and we lived decently. We lived pretty much like everybody else, though nobody else knew it, because God's faithful. So I want you to pray with me right now. Put your hand on your heart. God, we want your heart. Lord, we want your heart. We want... We want you to liberate us from the low thinking that keeps us anchored to this natural world and its principles, God. I pray that you would release us into a new realm of faith, God, where we can forgive without uh, charge, we can give without return we can we can we can uh, uh, lavishly pour out on others that may in fact hurt us because we live. Under the shadow of a sustaining God, a river of supply that has no end. That's where I want to live. That's where I want my heart to be. And I'm going to be resolute with me and with you in determining that my heart goes to the right place. I'm not going to tolerate any of those things in me. And I'm not going to tolerate any of those thieves in you because I want you to be blessed. If you're in unforgiveness, I want you to forgive so you can be blessed. If you're in poverty, I want you to give so that you can be blessed. If you're insecure and fearful of relationships, I want you to be vulnerable and walk in intimacy with others so that you can be blessed. Turn the other cheek. Go the opposite way of fear and self-preservation tells you the way. That's the kingdom way. Father, give us clarity today in Jesus' name. I pray this word will not escape our hearts, but Father, would we'll be part of the fabric of kingdom understanding that you are bringing into our lives, Lord. That we could go to that next level in every conceivable part of our lives. I pray in Jesus' name. Can you say, Amen.